Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti-slut-shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> Hey, fuckers. Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the anti-slut shaming podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. Hello. We're, we're in my living room and uh, there's a person currently fucking right yeah. above me, above my apartment. And I, I'm, it's, it, it's either having sex on a bed because they're squeaking. Yeah, there's definitely squeaking. Well, now I hear thumping though. Wait, is it? There's some you thumping. You guys fucking hear that? Let me see if I can get the mic. <laughs> know if you can hear it but good god you've all heard springs before you know what it sounds like well one time she came down she came downstairs that's how i know it's a girl uh-huh because i'm like it could be a mini trampoline because she just goes and goes and goes yeah it seems a little swifter than i would prefer my sex right but then it goes right and then but sometimes it goes like not like a seal but like a bed right you're just changing the motion up so I get a knock on my door and it's this girl. She was asking something about, I forget what she was, a building question. And she's like, oh, I live right above you. And I was like, really? Oh, wow. She should have went to another apartment. I would never try and toss know. the people below me. I don't even want them to know that I exist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was nice to know she was a girl. I don't know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> come to our shows. Yes. Uh, first off, thank you so much to everyone who came out to Columbus, Ohio. I know it was very hot. You guys were troopers. It was really, really fun show. We'll definitely be back to Ohio. Uh, come see Nacho, bitches. It's Friday, June 17th at New York Comedy Club. The show is at 11 p.m. I co-host that with Blair Saki. Tickets are $10 with the code Nacho. It's going to be a shit show as usual woo, woo. um our next guys we fuck test tour date is monday june 20th uh doors at seven o'clock shows at eight it's at subculture which is 45 bleaker street dope venue with a bar right next to where you sit mm. it's all ages uh but if you're 16 just come or under just come with a parent and you be good to go and then on saturday june 25th in New York City is the one-year anniversary of Glamour Puss. That is the show that I co-host with Wendy Starling at Zinc Bar. It's going to be at 7.30, and we have... There's going to be nudity. There's going to be uh, a lot of champagne. And we're going to have an after party. So t- ticket link for that is in the description of this podcast. Uh, you should come out. And then in July, Montreal, Canada, we are doing a live recording of Guys We Fucked at the prestigious Just for Laughs Festival. Ooh. It's Saturday, July 30th at 4.30 p.m. We'll make it feel like at least 8.30, though. Yeah, uh, tickets are $22, and the link is in the description of this podcast. That's a fun comedy festival. You should check it out if you're in the Montreal area anyway. Yeah. How was your weekend? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was really good. A lot of shit happened a lot of shit that happened that i wanted to talk about one was you had mentioned to me that article in the huffington post about these girls posing like charlie's angels and they're like no one's getting raped on our watch right when i saw that picture i was like what the fuck is that and then i read the story about they saw a guy putting something in a girl's from a black little black vial when she went to the bathroom she he sprinkled something in her drink and then like started playing with his phone nothing says i'm i'm guilty more than doing something and then immediately playing with your phone (laughs) that's a dead giveaway yeah that's because that's what i do after i take a shit i play with my well i play with my phone on the toilet what i don't know that's that's the one (laughs) time i'm shitting in public i go to my phone no i don't think so okay but um but i i was walking past with steven in brooklyn and 
we were in, we went to go, there's this laundromat in Greenpoint that has a speakeasy pinball place. In oh, the back. Okay. I've it's heard like our favorite yes. place ever. Yes. Yes. So we we're going there. We we're on our way back, going to the L like we do trying to get back, you know, to a home. And I saw on the stoop, it was maybe about, I don't know, midnight uh-huh. and it was a Friday night and there was a girl uh, laying on the stoop. It was, it looked like a commercial place and it, the, the, obviously the place was closed and she was passed out, completely passed out. Her purse was in the corner. Jesus. She had a really cute dress on and heel. So that's how I knew like it wasn't a homeless person <laughs> or if it was very well dressed. <laughs> And I kept walking with Steven and I'm like, that wasn't right. That didn't feel right. I did that. Uh, I, you know, I don't see that. I've never yeah. ne- seen that. I've never seen alone. There was no one around. Uh, I, well, I'm an asshole because anytime I see a girl like that, like I've done something about it. If it's a guy, I'll just leave right. him there until the end of time. Oh. <laughs> well, you know <laughs> what? Honest. Men are stronger than women <laughs> well, and they can fend for themselves sometimes. I just don't think anyone's going to go up and, and touch a passed out guy's dick. But I do think that someone's going to touch a, exactly. a passed out girl. So that's why I do something. Yeah. You know? And yeah, if someone's going to touch a pussy, you do something. Yeah. That's the rule. But we kept walking and I was like, I can't, I can't, we should go back, right? We yeah. should go back and make sure she's okay. And Steven was like, I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, I've called 911 on people in public like five times since Steven and I have been dating. Yeah. I always intervene when someone's in trouble. And yeah. it's every time I've done it, I've never regretted it. And he was kind of making me, I was kind of feeling like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. But then I was like, no, you know what? Fuck that shit. That girl is passed out. No no one's around her. Someone yeah. could take her purse. Someone could sexually take advantage of her. Like we have to go back. And Steven's like, okay, sure. And then I walk back and then there was all these girls crowded around trying to help her. Oh, but so, so, but I'm glad I went back. Cause if yeah. I went home and then I was like, what happened to that chick? Hope she didn't get raped. I would have hated myself. Yeah, I mean, it's always okay to call on 911. They're not doing anything else anyway. I mean, they're, they're doing not, some things. Nah, a lot of times they're not. I was in a, in a, a basic like bus jacking and they didn't do shit. So like they're not that busy. Oh, they yeah, should, but where were you? They should be on a bus in New York. In the, Oh, in New yeah. York City? They go, we can't do anything. To the, I told them on the podcast. They were like, Wait, I knew that. I didn't know you were in New York they City. They were like, we can't do anything until the bus stops. I was like, well, that's what a, a bus oh. jacking is. Have you ever when seen the Speed bus dumbass? is still moving. So yeah. I was like... <laughs> You should also get in something moving and follow it. Yeah. How about we save some people? Because we're in trouble. <laughs> I didn't realize you were. I thought you were yeah. like on the on a highway. I don't know why I thought that. No, we were coming in. Yeah, we were coming up like through the Bronx into New York. Yeah. Oh, damn. I was coming home from like uh, Rhode Island, I think. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that's different. Yeah, that was well, not good. Uh, anyway, the point of that story is like if you see a person, I male or female, passed out like that alone just fucking make sure they're okay yeah i mean i wouldn't touch somebody just call someone to do yeah, that for you with gloves exactly. on yeah yeah <laughs> you should because you're never gonna regret it it's never gonna be like oh there was too much help just call the police yeah, yeah. well you can also call like a local precinct i feel like sometimes they're more helpful than just like randomly calling 911 oh yeah that's probably true <laughs> also i went we went on a double date steven and i a double date a double date for a potential four-way Oh, I thought it was swinging. Okay. No. Or I guess that's. Well, that's like, I didn't know. Do you mean like swapping or all having sex together? Both? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) We haven't got, we didn't get there yet. It was so, the most interesting part of that date was when Steven looked out the window and pointed out the actor who played Hector on Breaking Bad. (laughs) Oh, so it was boring? It was the worst date ever. I was like, oh God, this is so. What was the couple like? (sighs) Stuck up. You know how Steven stuck up? 
multiply that times a thousand. I would say pretentious, not stuck pretentious, up. Pretentious. Stuck up is like, yeah, because like it was like they, they had like they had money. Well, the girl acted like she's never had sex in her life, which was weird. She just act tired. She wanted to go to bed so bad. And we're like, why are you here? You're so tired. Were they were they cute, young? They old? were cute, super cute, young. Yeah. We met at 8 30, and I was like, all right. What day of the week? Saturday? Friday. This was right before before the pin. That's oh, why we you were like, had, you had a full night. Fuck it, let's just play pinball in the laundry. I was wondering why you were doing that on a Friday night. I was like, you're still a young girl, Christina. I know. Maybe don't do that. Well, that's because fucking <laughs> Sleeps McGee took us out on a double date, and it was. Was there, was there, was there possibly going to be sex that night? No, it okay. wasn't. It was a. With Thrinder, what we do is we definitely want to always meet for drinks first uh-huh. because I, I, we could want to bang that night, but I don't like the pressure of it. I like right. knowing that we're not going to. Right. So yeah, that girl was, she was the most tired girl I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> she was so tired and she was really sweet. And then the guy, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. I don't think they do. <laughs> I don't think they do. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to out them or say their name or anything, Right. but, um, I mean, they know who they are. It wasn't yeah. bad. It was just like, oh, it just it wasn't rem- a match. No, it wasn't a match. And that's totally fine. But it reminded me about, like, I feel like I'm dating again. It's kind of fun. No. Oh. With Steven. Yeah. Nightmare for me. This just, sounds great. Just, just never trying to least dating amount of possible. So many conversations happen. Oof. Talking Oof. about feelings. Ouch. Oh man. Well, you talk about feelings on these first dates. I mean, really? Mm, not so much feelings as uh much as hey have you done this before how many times how did it oh, go what'd okay. you do okay. blah, blah blah yeah 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 and then the next day we're like well fuck this shit we went to a nude beach oh where in new jersey it's called i forget what it's called there's only one yeah it's on this weird island well i mean there's one in sandy hook yes that's okay. exactly where it was because i was i used to go to sandy hook a lot so i was so excited it was beautiful out we drive all the way in this little peninsula to the end of the peninsula that's where the nude yeah beach there's is. several beaches there and they, they hide that one at the yeah end. yeah 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 they do yeah which i'm like okay okay and then i was like is this gonna be like a sexual thing Mm-mm. or is it gonna be like <laughs> families we get there the first thing I see is a girl completely naked, lying on her stomach, a guy completely naked, sitting up, fingering her. I look like he was fingering what? her butt. Yeah. Like just going, uh, uh, see, like jackhammering her, her pussy. The opposite of what I've heard or like known about nude beaches. And there were children running around. I was like, this is a wacky. There were, they were European, so it didn't matter. Yeah. They, they <laughs> totally were. <laughs> no American children are at the nude beach. <laughs> no. They're it's never like, happened. Mama, Papa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so many older my dad age, like bigger belly, dad belly. Yeah, it's the people you, you don't want to see Yeah, at the nude beach. So we get there, we lay our blanket down. There were some hot people there too, like uh-huh. very hot. Oh my God. Like, Were they also European? No, I don't know. There's this this one couple, they were, <laughs> they were this beautiful black couple and the guy had like a, this, he was just, he, he was well-dressed in that he didn't have any clothes on, but he had the best sunglasses and hat. Uh-huh. And the girls just had like, they just looked, they were beautiful uh-huh. and stunning. And I just couldn't stop staring at the guy's dick. Oh, it was huge, was it, yo! But was it flaccid? Yeah, and it was still huge. Huge. Wow. Whoa. And I was like, Stephen, do you see that dick? He's like, Yes, yeah, a nice dick. And I was like, uh-huh. Right? <laughs> God damn! And then we put our blanket down. And I was like, 
I'm going to get naked. This is crazy. And then a guy came over to us and just completely naked, like stood on our blanket. And he was like, hey, guys, what's going on? Yeah. I wonder what game. There's a bunch of like frat dudes completely naked playing like some toss beach game. Right. And the guy was like, oh, what do you think? What game do you think they're playing? I'm like, I don't know. Can you go away? I want to get naked, but not when you're here. Right. And uh, and that was that was really interesting. It was just there's so many dicks mm-hmm. like older dicks mm. tiny some of them even inverted looking but i was like you know what good for you no like, you be s- free did Stephen put suntan lotion on his dick uh he didn't put it on his dick because he, he got completely naked i didn't take my bottoms off because there was a creepy guy behind us and i was like i'll take my top off baby steps i'm gonna go back really again. i'm surprised that you took your top off and not your bottom off yeah me because you're very protective of your boobs but i was gonna lay on my stomach i'm like what if they could see my oh. vagina right 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 that makes me feel weirder honestly just having your vagina out around sand is kind of dangerous it, idea it is and your dick gets sandy i had to i was so as i was topless lying stomach on my stomach yeah and then steven's completely naked lying on his stomach he goes oh can you put sun lotion on my butt like my ass is gonna get burned I'm like yeah i'm like oh my god that means i have to get up and people are gonna see my boobs and then i did it and i and i and here i am today yeah i live to tell the tale yeah i was totally fine yeah so i'm gonna go back and go full nude now yeah there were these two chicks they painted their butts they painted like hearts on their butts and little they painted pasties over their nipples uh-huh. and they were just frolicking about like little fairies it was awesome it was so, there's so much freedom that i witnessed there is i know it's, it's unfortunate that there there can't be a, a looks based <laughs> nude beach i know because i'd go to that for sure that's true me too old people get scared me though um I yeah mean, i mean i was gonna say with or without clothes on me that's true though for me <laughs> i'm scared because i'm like that's what your dick's gonna look like later steven like that's what Ooh. maybe I don't know. Do Aww. dicks age? Everything ages. Believe me, I've seen more naked bodies of every age from working at the spa than I ever cared to. Male bodies, too? Well, not nude male bodies, but I mean, it's just a horror show every time I walk into the locker room and I get so scared. I got completely naked in that locker room. Oh, the yeah. When I went. I've, got, I've been, I mean, I worked there and I've been completely naked many a time. So proud. Which is weird because I feel like sometimes people who I checked in definitely just see me then come in and get ass naked. But oh, well. <laughs> why is the receptionist following me? It's yeah. Tripping. Well, I feel like they're like, why is this peasant in here with us? And I'm like, please. please. <laughs> when I went, there was all these girls with the yoga mats. I'm like, is, do they teach yoga here? Oh, no, that's for the salt room. They do uh, yoga in the salt room. Oh, that's... <laughs> okay i guess that makes sense <laughs> so that was my weekend perfect yeah that sounds good it's so fun it sounds relaxing yeah i show my boobs i can't believe it <laughs> i'm really i'm really blossoming into a full-grown woman you guys are witnessing this <laughs> it's exciting um what else is happening okay so i guess we're gonna do an ad now is that what we're doing ad- now ads this is the time where we do ads uh this week's episode of guys we fucked is brought to you by me undies uh we've talked about me undies before i know a lot of you guys have ordered them they're super comfortable and they're super cute because for me i'm like a child like i still need very attractive fun underwear with like people's faces maybe a skeleton maybe like a guitar some kind of pattern i like that uh every pair of me undies is made from sustainably sourced modal a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton they're not fucking around oh it man really it feels 
good on your vagina. I would swaddle a baby in that. Me too. Uh, nothing can describe the fit and feel of me undies, but once you try them on, you'll understand why they're called the world's most comfortable underwear. Oh, wow. And the good news is if you don't love your first pair of me undies, they're free. No questions asked. Shipping is free in the US and Canada, and you can save up to $8 a pair with the me undies subscription plan, which sounds fun and interesting. So go to meundies.com backslash GWF for 20% off your first order. You know how we got those free pairs of me undies? Yes. So we can like talk about it. Yes. I bought like 10 more pairs. Yeah. That's how good they are. Yeah, no, they're really they're great. Really fucking good. And they're I could awesome. draw out all my shitty Victoria's Secret underwear <laughs> that rips in five seconds. Um, our second sponsor today for Guys We Fucked, another product that we've talked about before and I'm are actively using. Right. Blue apron. Hmm. I don't know. That's somebody else's jingle. Sorry. Uh, Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set aside the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family run farms, fisheries and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. So all the meals come out to less than $10 per meal. They deliver fresh seasonal recipes with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. So everything's already measured out for you. You can customize the recipes based on your dietary needs. And each box has this step-by-step recipe card. Very easy to follow. And then once you like sit down to actually eat the food, you're like, God damn, this food looks good. I'm a fucking chef. At least that's what I say to myself. Check out this week's menu and get two meals for free with free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com slash GWF. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible <laughs> home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So go to blueapron.com slash GWF and get cooking good looking. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. My I, mom actually signed up with this code. Really? She emailed Yay! me. Yay! That's yeah. awesome. My She's parents very excited. My parents are going to do it because my mom was worried because she has shaky hands. She mm-hmm. has tremors. So mm-hmm. She's like, I don't think I could cut the ingredients. I'm like, just have dad cut it. Yeah, dad can do the cutting. Yeah. And then mom can do the other stuff consuming (laughs) (laughs) guys we have some more brawlers to thank these are people who donated 88 dollars or more to our uh generosity campaign uh i don't know what this name ep king ep king someone you're a king you have the last name king you donated 88 dollars or more and we care thank you jeremy oliphant Thank you for giving us some of your money. I really appreciate it. Jessica Cara, you have a special last name. I can't really talk about it on air, but I appreciate it. Thanks. Andrew Jacobs. I feel like he got hazed in a frat one day. I don't know. (laughs) But thanks for donating to us. Alyssa Ladd. I want to say your last name with some kind of a brogue. James O'Neill. I'm trying to do an Irish accent. It didn't really work out so well, but thank you so much for donating to us. Uh, Pauline Serrano, you, in my mind, you're wearing leopard print stretch pants right now. Hannah Klecker, get your finger out of my ass. <laughs> Christopher Davis, does your wife know you're listening to this? <laughs> Zoe Gemotes. Are you Christopher Davis's wife? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't take his name. You see what I did there? You see what I did? Oh, my goodness. Uh, So this weekend when I was in Columbus, I met a lot of interesting people. It's a great town. I was like, this is a place. I I rarely go to a city and go, I could live in this city. And I felt that way about Columbus. Oh, nice. I mean, there's very few places. I mean, what about it did you like the most? Mm, It was just it had it it was progressive. It's I I learned it's one of the most gay friendly towns in the United States after San Francisco. Yeah, they had all these gay pride Stonewall signs up. Oh, sick. They have a great uh, sex store there. (gasps) Shout out. 
to Wonder Dog at the garden. Wonder we, Dog? Yeah, we went. I spent um, a good amount of money there. It was fun. And uh, yeah, I would totally live there. And there's a really great mall. Just Ooh. beautiful uh, comedy club. Like, just great, wow. great stuff. Great stuff going on there. Sounds nice. Um, and I did meet the uh, young lady who runs the Guys We Fucked Wisdom Instagram. I don't okay. know if you guys remember that. It's GWF Wisdom on Instagram. And she would make memes uh, with awesome quotes from episodes every week they were really funny yeah and then it kind of fell off and some of them were like oh my god one of us said that we're really funny yeah they're so fun and it was <laughs> fun to look at and i know all the people enjoyed following it she just got too busy so she wanted me to let you guys know that she is willing um to pass on the torch if anyone is interested and this is someone who like you know this is a little bit of a time commitment every week you would just pull a couple quotes and make it meme so someone who's good with graphic design or just has some kind of a artistic background or feels that they can do that that's who we're looking for and you would be in charge of the guys we fucked wisdom count i mean it's not you're not getting paid but it's just you know a pat on your back you can use it in your on your resume whatever followers it's got some followers yeah it has some followers and people can follow it now at gwf wisdom so just uh email us as uh, sorry about last night's show at gmail.com or you can email um i believe it's megan directly at gwf wisdom at gmail.com and she will pass it but just only serious inquiries only people you gotta be yeah okay oh also one thing i i wanted to say too the the music i we've said this a couple times the music that you're hearing now on these episodes probably pretty much since the amber rose episode is all created by people who listen to this podcast and a lot of people tweet us saying like who did the song this week or we always put the artist and a link to their where you can find their music on the in the description of this podcast so scroll down if you're curious also if you are a musician and you make music send it to um gwf podcast music at gmail.com steven my boyfriend runs that account and uh he picks the music for all the episodes but holy shit we have some talented people listening so if you want to submit do that if you want to find more about the artists scroll down in the description oh also rate us on itunes yes throw please that one out there. we need to stomp bitches i mean what <laughs> um okay let's read an email uh the email of the uh subject for this one is messaging women on social media y'all thoughts uh hey corinne and christina my name is ben i am a recent new listener have become hooked on your podcast hearing about all the people who write in emails to you two over the podcast and advice you give is very real and I think he means informational because he said informal, but that's not what it is. Uh, I had it's a- also informal. <laughs> I had to ask, what are y'all thoughts on messaging women over social medias such as Instagram? I only asked because there is this gorgeous woman that I have seen uh, who's an old college classmate or was on an old college classmates feed and I had to follow her, which was private. She did allow me and followed me back, but I would like to meet this woman for a drink or coffee. I had asked some of my closest friends what they thought of it. They said, just fuck it, just do it. <laughs> Uh, but I kind of wanted a more in-depth <laughs> fuck it, do it, and women's perspective <laughs> on the subject. Also, it would be pretty awesome to have the blessings from you too, because y'all some badass bitches. Okay, the reason I chose to read this email was because I think this is a common question that a lot of, especially young dudes, have who are on social media. You're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter. You see a hot girl, and this is very interesting for this week's guest because we'll actually learn how he met his girlfriend yeah. and it has to do 
with that, tying it together, which I did it on purpose. Can't say I did. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's super common. And I know, I'm sure you've been messaged on social media with yes. like something, you know, salacious. I've no been dish. I have, you know what? I haven't gotten a lot of salacious messages. I just don't think my face really calls for it. Really? Which is kind of a bummer, like not a bummer, but just like, huh, okay. Because I know a lot of women get dicks or get like, aggressive shit right message I mean, to them i've never just been sent a dick pic from someone i didn't know i mean this from this podcast people will instagram it to me but i don't even count that because that's not real life yeah i'm just like thanks yeah thanks. that's the nice dick you got there yeah but i feel like it's it's very hard because so often someone will hit you up on social media like on a facebook message and then the girl will become outraged screenshot it oh put that's it up. bullshit yeah yeah that's so i mean stupid yeah it's like if no one's saying something if you're not if you're a Approaching someone in a respectful manner, they should treat you respectfully. Back. Yeah, absolutely. And if they don't, if they freak out and they're like, this guy fucking messaged me, then you don't want to date that girl. That's weird right. and rude. That's on that. Yeah. That's on and me. the hottest thing a guy could do is be fucking respectful. So that's the one instance where I wouldn't mind a, a message. Right. And I mean, it's like, you know, in this day and age, it's like a lot of people do meet each other on social media because it's like, it's not really much different than an app or Tinder where you're just looking at someone's face. But it's like on Instagram, we also have a lot of people who are putting up, you know, kind of like thirst trap uh, pictures and Instagram models. Who, Will they be thirst I mean, trap? They don't just like it's just sexy pictures, and maybe oh. they don't look like that, or just they're just trying to get followers. You know, like like fake Instagram, oh. Facebook accounts, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think if you truly feel some kind of a connection with this woman, you can absolutely send her a respectful message. Instagram messages, I will say, are kind of like the least. <laughs> I, yeah, I pay attention to those the least. Yeah, because I'm like, who's message? It's, a, it's for photos, guys. Yeah, message her on Facebook. Yeah, so find her on Facebook or something. Uh, but just know that I'm. I'm sure if she is as gorgeous as you say that a lot of people are probably yeah on her and she's going to be looking for something more than just compliments on her looks like you're gonna have to get to know this person and really impress her but Work i think that's a challenge it. for you yeah. Work for that pussy yeah i think most women respond to effort yes you're absolutely right i do want to talk to you about one more thing before i intro yes <laughs> and it kind of has to do with this it mm-hmm. just reminded me mansplaining yes what does that word mean to you? Um, it means when like men interpret things in a way to women where we, they think we're too dumb to understand, like something that we either coined ourselves or right. like, like a woman's issue primarily. Yeah. Like if, it, if, if, a, if a man's planning would be something like, well, listen, like, I don't know if you know this, but like, this is like what feminism really right. is. It's like someone telling Marsha Belsky, one of our guests a couple episodes ago, like how to do her feminist blog, like a guy saying that. Right. Okay. Cause that's to me, that's what it is too. And, and it's not like, there's so many words like man spreading, for example, we've talked about that. I think that's so silly to get on a guy's ass about spreading his legs on the subway, like have like sitting wide, just fucking ask him to move his leg. Well, I mean, also that's not called man. That's called common courtesy. And I mean, I see a lot of women who fucking put their feet on the seats and put their oh, purse yeah. on the seat next to them. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that was taken out of proportion because like, honestly, I think men are just used to seeing what their 
legs open because their dick is sticking to their thighs. Yeah. I know I sit with my legs open a lot. And it's probably because I have a big ass vagina. Yeah. Like that's a thing that I, I see. I, I will see women like get on dudes for like really just be like, I can't believe these dudes be man spread. I'm like, who gives a shit? And if you're that bothered by it, be like, hey, can you move? Because that's what I do. And they always say, oh, yeah, sorry. Well, it just it's, it's just so not a thing that you should. It takes about. the spotlight away from the real issues. And it also makes I feel like it, it makes women seem like we make a big deal out of everything. Right. And, and it's just not it's a counterproductive. Now, there's like even signs about it on the subway where they use the term oh, you're right. spreading like don't man. That's man's so spread. lame. It's just who cares? Like, ask the guy to, to move over if you want to I'm move. Like, how about don't put something in someone's drink when they're in the bathroom? Let's start with that. How about don't rape me, please? <laughs> That's a good place to start. But man, mansplaining mm-hmm. is a term, though, that is to me really fucking frustrating. Yeah. It's not the biggest deal in the world. It's not something that like makes me angry, but it's just a little tiny thing that I don't know. It gets to me. So I saw sometimes I'll go on Amy Schumer or Lena Dunham's Instagram and read the comments. Right. Now, I don't respond to them or anything. I'm just curious because I know these are two women that are very famous that don't aren't size zeros and they get a lot of shit for it. I'm just interested in seeing what the strangers of the internet have to say. So like, wait, what upsets you? The word mansplaining or the act of mansplaining? Well, the act, the act. Okay. Of it. I mean, the word, okay. I don't care about the word, okay. but this is an example. What I thought an example of, of this was mm-hmm. this guy comments on a picture of Amy Schumer. She's like in a bathing suit on a boat and you can get this comments public. So you can, um, he goes, here's my thing. Schumer, like you'll ever read this. We're, we all think you're funny. You're a comedian and mission accomplished, but you keep posting what most would think unflattering photos of yourself then get pissed when trolls call you shitty things i'm pale as fuck have been my whole life if i want to feel worse about myself i'll post a pic of me with my shirt off because people are cunts and will make fun of me what i'm trying to say is we love you but stop trying to either fish for compliments or push the barrier where you're asking for trouble and then getting offended by it that to me is an example of mansplaining Mm -hmm. but then i posted it and mm-hmm. then people are like, really? You're seriously, you think that's like a mean of that guy to say? I'm like, yeah, because n- women don't post photos of themselves on social media so that guys will be like, let them know whether or not they want to fuck them. Right. Like it's that number one. And then number two, he's saying like, stop getting offended by all these people making comments on your body. She's not getting offended. It seems like she's just really sick and tired of the way women get treated and how men barely get shit compared to the level of women getting shit right. for their physical appearance. Well, Instagram is a nightmare and everyone, who, yeah. mostly everyone, all the comments are d- dumb. Yeah. Well, the guy, the guy who wrote that comment had, I, I didn't tag him or anything, but he saw it and he like kind of explained himself. He's like, well, this is where I was coming from and I didn't mean it as an insult and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that was nice that we could have that fucking conversation about yeah. that. I mean, the bottom line is we just don't want your opinion. Like, I feel like you just get your own Instagram. Yeah, I mean, anyone who leaves uh, comments on a celebrity's Instagram, it's like, I don't, why are you doing that? It's they're a little sad. But yeah. then sometimes they read them, but a lot of times they don't. Yeah, they're just, and I just feel like it's like just post secret for for fans and stuff where they just need to kind of like unload their opinion just to get it out into the universe and then they feel better. Yeah. But I would advise anyone in the public eye not to read don't their Instagram comments because it's just going to make you want to punch people. But what I thought was really interesting was a lot of the guys were commenting on the picture of that comment that i put up right and they were like do you really i'm not trying to be an asshole but do, is that what do you think is rude about that and they were genuinely curious they weren't being dickheads it's just like no one asked you right exactly but i think i'm like a lot of dudes i don't think a lot of dudes get when they do that when they do that thing that we like to call mansplaining mm-hmm. i don't think they know they're doing it 
Right. So I'm just trying to open a dialogue so that we can start talking about I mean, it. women also give their opinion a lot when we didn't ask. Totally. For, and that's got to stop. And it's also, it, and it's funny because I think a lot that women will be the first people to say, like, don't judge me on their looks and then turn around and be the first person and the to first judge to judge one. on the looks. And, and yeah. I'm certainly guilty of it too and trying to be more cognizant of it and stuff. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because we're so trained. And even like when I, you see like a, a girl or something where like you're making small conversation with like a cashier or something and be like oh I like your dress or just like it's just like kind of like these throwaway things that we say and we like compliment each, uh, each other based on uh, like what we're Physical wearing appearance. or what we look like or what makeup we're wearing and when I would just never do that for to a guy yeah so it's kind of just hey, like a uh, nice dick I bet yeah. <laughs> I bet you got a nice uh heifer in those those pants yeah heifer? is anybody called a dick a heifer um I'm sure in the history someone has well, after they go to a new beach, they'll realize that it ain't that big. <laughs> All right. Let's get to this week's guest, guys. Um, he is a very interesting fellow. Oh, I and I was introduced to him because he directed a play that my roommate, Kristen, who was on the podcast, is currently in. It's at the Flea Theater Company called Wolf in the River. If you want to see her naked, you could go. Ooh. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she'll be happy that I broadcast Oh, she's so pretty. Um, um, oh, not that that matters. That doesn't even matter. I don't know why I commented on a prettiness. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just, a, oh, it's a just, a, it's very, I like this, the like the play a lot. I went to see with James and it was very just unique and open and boundary pushing. And I nice. highly recommend it. Love uh, he wrote and directed this play, uh, but he's also uh, written a bunch of other plays. He's worked on television shows. He has a brother who you might know from the Broadway scene. He's just a very interesting person. And I was like, whoever wrote this play, Kristen, I was like, please, I need to know who this is and I need to speak to him. And so she was nice enough to connect us. And Christine and I went over to his beautiful apartment on the Lower East Side. So ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome this week's guest, Mr. Adam Rapp. I come a long way, baby, from the man I used to be. I was so very foolish in my mind. start everyone we're really doing it you we, we are definitely in an artist's apartment this is like the apartment that i've always dreamt of with beautiful artwork and taxidermy it's weird <laughs> yeah it is weird well, i like you it put this stuff here you fucking put it i know here. but i like it, it, it I, I like that I like, it's weird i like taxidermy and robots and what do you like <laughs> about taxidermy you know I, I don't know exactly it's not like a political thing or um a pet thing it's more like I did. I wrote a play that there was some taxidermy in it, and then I had the the company was so broke that I had to buy the taxidermy 
and then I just it grew on me, and then and I you're like, and this then looks I, good, and then I kept it. Nice. And Did now, you? Now I collect it. Have you read the landlady? No. That's about taxidermy. If you like that, that's one of my favorites. It's Raul Dahl. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. quite good. So oh, I should read that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, a lot of things I should read. <laughs> a lot of taxidermy talked yeah. about. Um, so let's start at the beginning. We were just talking, and you are originally from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was born in Chicago, um, like a century ago, and then I moved to Joliet, Illinois, when I was like five, and grew up there. So Chicago, Joliet. How was growing up? Oh, it was. What r- was your childhood like? My childhood was like weird. dark and tainted. It was a weird. I mean, we lived in a really rough area, and my mom was a single mom raising three kids on a, on a oh, nurse's wow. salary, so that was not easy. And I was in and out of trouble a lot. And what kind of trouble did you get into? Just like shoplifting and breaking windows, and I got sent to reform school, and I went to a military academy for high school. So oh, I, how was I was not a good. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I saw that you went to military school and that's struck me as weird that you would do that. And then you played basketball Mm -hmm. and you also, then you started writing plays. Yeah. So how how did that transition from each thing to come about? Well, up until, I think up until college, honestly, I was pretty much like a one dimensional jock. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. just was playing baseball and basketball and I ran track and I was, I ran cross country and. You know, that was really a big part of me. It just kept me out of trouble for the most part. And um, and it gave me something to do that I thought I was good at. And then when I got to college, I discovered writing kind of accidentally. And uh, I I had to drop some credits because I was a, a pre-med major. And I couldn't. Oh, wow. I got to or, organic chem. And You're that's like, sort of the. Peace. That's the. Yeah. That's the backbreaker. Um, and so I had to drop two classes, I think. And then I had to pick up two classes to stay on the basketball team to keep my credits high enough and so I wandered into this weird poetry elective that would just happen to be by the registrar's office when I was on the day that I was supposed to pick up new classes. Oh wow. That's literally You're what like, happened. You're like this one. And I just wandered in it just cuz there was some weird sitar music playing and I and I popped my head in the and the guy invited me in and and that, and I did an exercise with them on like a yellow legal pad, an automatic writing exercise and that was kind of what started it for me wow so you really stumbled upon it was really writing. an accident and then and then I, I i wasn't much of a reader i much i wasn't you know where i grew up there was really no culture mm-hmm. even though lionel richie's from joliet and andy dick is from joliet and there's some really interesting people we from love joliet. Andy dick, yeah. yeah um there just wasn't any you know there wasn't much to there were there wasn't a bookstore there wasn't a, oh wow the movie houses were sort of your run-of-the-mill cineplex you know yeah playing all the hits yeah so chicago was the closest thing to culture and that seemed a million years away or a million miles away i should say um even though it was only 45 miles away or 40 miles away so i uh i don't know i just think i was uh, if it was in me i didn't know it was in me until that until moment then. yeah wow yeah so then i started you know writing a lot and uh reading a lot and it's interesting because my little brother, who's an actor, was a, a writer back then. He's three and a half years younger than me, but he was this sort of genius uh, prodigy. And he was ahead of himself in school, two years ahead of himself. He went to a gifted school. Damn. So he was like reading really complicated things. And he was writing in a journal and he was kind of already on the way to being an artist. His path was already, de- he already defined that for himself uh, yeah, early on. Exactly. And I, and I, my initial things that I read were, advised by him which is so Mm -hmm. weird because now we're sort of we flipped and i've become kind of the more of the reader writer and now he's he's just an actor he does musical theater and stuff like that which is great but um 
I remember him as being this real bookworm nerd, you know. <laughs> and he switched. Yeah, we kind of switched. He's still, I mean, he's incredibly smart, but like he's he's not the nerd I, I, rem- I remember, <laughs> you know. Was your mom supportive of you two being involved in the arts or did she... Yeah, she was really supportive of him. Uh, she was sort of a stage mom, oh. he, he, you know, for a while. Uh, he, in the ba- in the stereotypical negative context that I'm thinking of, like Gypsy, like no, you can do it, like no, vicariously no. living through mm-hmm. no, the she child. Was much more naive than that. She oh, was good. just sort of. It was her way. To, she was the oldest of thirteen in this oh, huge gosh. Roman Catholic family, so or uh, uh, Scottish Irish Catholic. Um, so she, the, it was a chance for her to just travel, you know, because he got like. Mm-hmm. The Broadway, he got the King and I national tour and then he got another, he was in another show and then he got cast in a Broadway show when he was nine as an Whoa. understudy and then he took over the role and the show never opened, but we lived in New York briefly. So she got a, mm-hmm. it was the first time she ever traveled. So it was a, it was a kind of awakening for her. And then she went back to her, she became, she was eventually a, a prison nurse and in uh, Joliet, which is famous for its prison. She was the, the head nurse there. So mm-hmm. Um, she wound up going back to Juliet after Anthony kind of became an adult and I became an adult and she sort of, that's how she spent the last years of her life. She, she passed away in 97, but she, uh-huh. like the last 20 years of her life or so was back in Juliet, you know, mm-hmm. working at the prison. Why, so. why did you, when you were younger, you said you were like throwing rocks in windows and shoplifting. What was that from? Was that just, I think it was just from my environment, like yeah. the, the kids I was hanging out with, um, there was a lack, you know, I didn't have a, a dad, so there was a, 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 a lack of supervision sometimes because my mom was doing double shifts. Right. Oh. It wasn't like we Heck weren't... support your family. We weren't like, we weren't going, you know, we weren't doing terrible... I mean, those are bad things, but we weren't like a gang or anything like that. It was yeah. just it was just like stupid things. We'd clip hood, orma- hood ornaments off of cars and sell them. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, I would do, I would take, um, I would take two Coke cans and then put them with string across one on one end of the street and the other on the other. And when a car runs over it, they take the string like clips on the bottom of the car and they just, they just drag the Coke cans down the street. And I thought I was the shit. Yeah, oh, that's, you're a real rebel. Oh yeah. That's, it was scary and dangerous and thrilling. Is that like a suburban thing? Maybe yeah. we were in the suburbs, <laughs> Yeah, but that was the horny. That was the wackest yeah. we got. That's, oh, that's dangerous. Is it out? Uh, well, how do you, I think it, it's a lot of people don't really understand the importance of a father. And I think, you know, I have a younger brother and I know it's been very important for him to have a, a male influence in his life. So how do you think that lack of presence of a male authority figure in your life had, has affected you? I mean, when I was a kid, I was, I was always looking to other kids' dads, you know, mm-hmm. or I was looking to my coaches and sometimes, sometimes they were, you know, they would help me out or they would give me a ride home. That was the hardest part was like when you're, when you're doing, you know, baseball and basketball and cross country, you have to have a ride home. Yeah. That sucked when you don't have a ride home because then yeah. you're walking and then you're walking like three miles and you're 11 years old and that's, yeah. that's just not it's dangerous. Good. Yeah. So I would always look for someone to give me a ride and sometimes that would be a good thing and sometimes it would be a weird thing. And so there was a lot of adventures <laughs> with, with adults in that, in that regard. But, um, I had a couple of good, um, uh, like coaches and teachers who kind of looked out for me. There was a guy named Noel Blazing, Mr. Blazing, back in junior high, who always like would wait for me because he knew I would walk home, and then he would always like like pretend like we didn't have a ritual, and then he would pull up with his car and be like, "Come on, get in." Aww. It was really sweet, you know. Yeah, like, I'm always grateful to that. But I feel like there were some, you know, just treacherous things too, where like creeps would, you know, I was I, I think I was also sort of 
pedophile candy when I was a kid because I was were you walking kid? home alone? Uh, yeah, I was like really, you were really a hot kid. Much, no, I was just really young looking. I was like, oh. I was I, when I was a, a freshman in high school, I was five foot three, one hundred and thirty five pounds, and I was I didn't go through puberty till I was like twenty eight. Oh, whoa! I mean, not not literally, but oh. <laughs> like six, that would be some sort of like disorder. First erection at twenty eight. Yeah, Holy like shit. sixteen. So I was just like, you know, I, I look like I should be an ET or something. Yeah. So, you know, for most. Of Did my you life. have men like pedophiles try and kidnap you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, not like not not successive attempts or anything like that. But there that's was, great. But in that our area, successful. there were a lot of creepy people, and um, it happened. And no I, one I got talks into a couple it. of vans. I got into a couple of trucks, you know, and I didn't realize. You know, oh, this oh is the wrong what did guy. they say to you? Well, it, you, it's never, it's it, it's always it's never a friendly. A candy and puppy. It's, it's always a friendly moment, you know, because yeah. they want to they want you to hang out. Yeah. So it's just it's like the third moment, the fourth moment that gets weird, and and then they're like offering you wine, like Ooh. Boone's Farm, you know. So what like, year was this? Like seventies. So I mean, it was. I mean, was pedophilia even being talked about at that time? I'm so. guessing it's not. It's barely being talked about now because we've taught, we've heard from, we've interviewed guys' yeah. dads a pedophile, right. and we're, I just, we don't know anything about that. It's, and it's, it's really, it's. I think it's hard to talk about too because it's, um, it's just too painful. Yeah, you know, and, just, and with men too who have been um, sexually assaulted by older men, like that really takes away from their masculinity. And I've talked to guys that have gotten like raped as children by older men in their yeah. in their life, and it's just. It's just, it's horrible. It's really but damaging. Did yeah. you know that these, I mean, obviously you knew enough to leave them at one point when they when they started offering well, you wine, or did your mom ever warn you of stranger danger? Well, there was a, I will say this, the, the, the one thing that I think was, that I had going for me was that I was, I was a good athlete, so mm-hmm. I could, you like, could run away. I could get away. Yeah. And I was strong enough and like nimble enough to like get out of some cars. Wow. And Damn. Close calls. Yeah, and I know I, it seems like a constant problem. I mean, it seems it's like you funny. got out of a lot of pedophiles' cars. Well, a couple, you know, but <laughs> Damn, there was there was definitely that, there was definitely like um, there was there was one person in my life that was that this and you know not to get overly serious, but there was a you know Big Brothers Big Sisters yeah, organization. Yeah. So I had a big brother, and his name was Al, and he. Uh-oh. Was really good to my mom. He was really good to us. He he would he's pretending to be romantically involved with my mom. She was sort of in love with him, and then he like you know tried stuff with on you yeah God and, and on, my, on, my, on my uncle as well who was only a few years older than me and and so it, it, it turned into this like rotisserie of boys that were and my brother was probably next so like Jeez. but it was this long seduction where he was really the trustworthy process yeah I, you know i was hanging out with him a lot i was going to his 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 farmhouse and where he lived with his mother which was weird um and he was uh he was a really charming vietnam vet like oh. a really upstanding, uh, award, on awarded, paper he was great. an awarded soldier, you know, a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, one thing led to the other. I mean, he, he nothing, nothing, um, nothing hor- horrific happened, but it almost did. Yeah. Damn. And again, I was, horrifying I was lucky so. enough that I, you know, I was a cross country runner, so I could like run. You ran away. I ran, literally you ran, ran away from the pedophiles. I ran away and called my mom at a gas station and, and that was that. But did it, what did she believe you when you that guy, Al? It was hard because she was romantically interested in him. And so it was it was a really bad situation. I feel like yeah. that's always the scenario. And yeah. that's how the, the person gets the power over the family. Because once you're, you know, in with the matriarch, then you have this power over everybody. That's insane, though, because I, I was a big sister for a long time. I mean, you have to get fingerprinted like that's yeah. not an easy 
easy job I jobs get. I like begged for that. And yeah. it was volunteer work. And I think that again, that was back in the seventies. Right. And I feel like that that organization was pretty new and I think now they know a lot more. And yeah. you know, I, I've thought about, you know, trying to help kids out because I you know, I play, yeah. I play basketball and I know all these young kids and it seems like there's a lot of parentless kids, you know, yeah. be, they're desperate be a good thing for men for me to do, you yeah. know, and male role models. Yeah. And I know it's a much more difficult system to be to it's a, it's much more difficult to get involved. Yeah. Um, when this was when this had happened to you all those times that men had approached you and you realized it was wrong and you got out of there. Did you know what they were trying to do? They were trying to touch you sexually did, or did you just know this is wrong? I got to go. It, it felt it just felt wrong. Yeah. You know, it just felt like there was never a like they would never just put their hand on my dick or something like right. that or, or go to kiss me because that just seems weird it's more like it felt Slow like they touching. always it was like the they wanted to get me to sleep oh, they God want you damn. to get, they want to get you to sleep and they want to get you well uh, drugged or yeah or they want because that's what they want they want to yeah. they want to Take you know, advantage of you while you're passed while out. While you're passed out because then there's no there's no conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just kind of um, you. Did that shape how you saw the world? Oh, def- definitely. Because that would definitely. fucking. Yeah. My boy boyfriend, his when he was young, his dad got hit by a car and was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And he's like, that's when I stopped believing in God, because why would that why would that fucking happen? And that really shaped his his viewpoint. And he was he he argued horribly with his parents and got in a lot of trouble and did all the drugs but like that moment really shaped him but yeah. then he's it's turned him into this wonderful man because he's been through you know I think it's really for me it's it, I, it took me a long time to trust yeah to trust older men like yeah it, it not not you know when I was a younger I mean through my teen years I would say and then when I kind of I kind of grew up fast and then I when I got out of military school and I went to college things were sort of I'd figured out who I was to a certain extent and I didn't have as many of those issues but i feel like when i was 13 14 15 16 like if anyone if like anyone reached out to me oh yeah even if it was truly sincere and like friendly i was always really dubious i was always a little defensive and a little like you know keep keep an arm's length you know yeah including teachers professors coaches you know that that because those are who you're supposed to trust you're supposed to trust them yeah so. but then the people you were supposed to trust failed you just let you down immense immensely yeah it was a tough I mean, you know, also those are good survival skills to learn too. Not, I'm not wishing that on anyone, but it's good to understand at a young age that not everyone should be trusted. Oh, absolutely. I think they should teach that in in schools because I feel like parents, the stranger danger conversation sometimes happens in households, but no one ever really talks about the capabilities of certain, a few amount of people. Right. And the more self-aware you are, you can recognize it. And, you know, as I've also, as I've gotten, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a director. I'm, you know, I, I work, I lead projects a lot. And right now I'm working with a, a girl who's playing a 13 year old in my play. And I'm very hyper aware of, of being respectful of like, of, you yeah. know, personal space. I'm very, I'm, I think it's made me more aware of how you conduct yourselves around younger people. And yeah. uh, probably to the point of like, I co- probably come off like a science teacher or something like, you know, I don't know, like <laughs> I, I, I probably come off as chilly in a way, but I just don't ever want to make, make anybody feel, feel uncomfortable. uncomfortable in that way and try to like make it easy and fun and yeah. all that stuff. And you're but, extra sensitive. Yeah, it makes sense that you're yeah. sensitive to that. So you're sensitive during the process, but um, I mean, I saw Wolf in the River and that was certainly very sexually explicit, which was refreshing. It was refreshing mm. to see male nudity on stage. Mm. You oh, don't, you never see penises. We talk about that all the time. We were yeah. like, more penises. You always just see breasts and sometimes a vagina. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I was talking to my roommate and she said that's kind of a signature in a lot of your work. She said you had one piece where you have the longest scene of 
of a, a man peeing on stage. Yeah, yeah. So how did that kind of about come about? Was this your life that influenced it? Are you just interested in sexuality or? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in, I'm also interested in how, the, whenever I go to the theater, I'm always confused as to why we don't see more private moments on stage because I think we go to the theater to kind of have a collective understanding of like, our humanity and like our foibles and what we're vulnerable about, what we're terrified of and all those things. And so one of those, sometimes that's a sexual moment or sometimes it's a, you know, a bathroom moment or it's a, you know, it's something that happens in a bedroom or a closet. So I was always interested early in my career in like exploring that publicly on stage. I mean, publicly, I mean, you know, that it's witnessed. People living private, audience. Yeah. private moments in front of an audience. That's the most yeah. beautiful electrifying thing about theater. Yeah. That's why I love straight plays and going to them when they're done well. Whole, I mean, I saw a production of The Seagull with Ellen Cumming when my, my acting mm. professor was assistant directing it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, fuck. Yeah. It was so, yeah. every moment was, you could feel it. Yeah. And I've had some like simulated sex on stage and, and I'm not, and, and I've, I'm, I'm not trained in any way. So when I would, when I came to the theater, oh, it was, it was, um, it was like I didn't have that thing of being trained. Like this is what fight call is. This mm-hmm. is what a fight, how how you construct a fight by the numbers. This is what sex is on stage. So mm-hmm. I came at it from a very raw place, and it was either false to me or true to me. And so I was when I would build those moments, um, it, it, I had a different. Uh, way a, a different lens on it I think it, well it's, it seems to be based off just your instincts of does this feel exactly. real yeah. and and vulnerable in the moment and yeah. I think I've gotten in trouble in the past because uh, like when I, I did a play Red Light Winter in 06 05 I was six in New York and um, there was sex on stage and like equity had to come down because they they kept hearing there was real sex on stage which there wasn't but we built it so that it looked like looked it was real. real to the point where penetration looked real wow and it was well and there were like two or two there were two male erections on stage that would happen and there was you know it was two men and a girl and not not ever in that arrangement but both men were with the same woman and uh we just really carefully sort of sleight of hand did it and um tricked out a moment where he removes a condom after he's come and he holds it up to the window and there's like there's something in, it. in the yeah. condom but it was just lotion and it was another condom tricked right. that he holds up to the window and so everyone was hearing that there was like quote-unquote real sex happening and so then all no, of a sudden equity a came director. down and they, they made me show him them by the numbers how we were doing it and they were like oh okay but so I'm not I've never done it conventionally um mm-hmm. I will have I do work with fight choreographers because I, I learned from them um, but I always find that um, if if it's not really rough and real looking, then I'll rough it up a bit after, mm. after they go um, nice. safely rough it up. Right, but, of course. Um, do they do they actually have erections, or did you? Were they yeah, yeah. Gary Wilms uh, would have That's at the method. end of the play. He like he would he there was a consensual sexual act between him and this woman that turned into a rape. And uh, oh wow, the beginning of it, he would pull his pants down and he would often be erect. And then at the end of the first act, Chris Denham and this prostitute. Uh, who he was sort of falling in love with, she, she would like touch him down his body. It was in silhouette, uh-huh. but they were in profile, and you would see his his <laughs> dick would go. Nah, nah, nah. Wow! Yeah. And he so, got it every time he was able yeah, to do it. Yeah, I mean, I admire that. I, I, that's, Damn, that's and, control over your erection. It's, or they're just like really horny into it. Yeah, yeah I don't know, but they, they it was really convincing, and I think that was part of why you know people were seeing the play, but it's also part part of why like equity was coming down to police it you know yeah so now Ooh. in your personal life do you feel like you are more or less sexually explicit than you are in your work uh i think i'm i think i'm uh 
weirdly like I, I don't like to take my shirt off on the beach you know I'm, I'm in, around the house I don't take uh, I'm pretty I'm actually pretty uh, what's the word I don't know I'm pretty um, not prude demure, demure. I don't demure. know <laughs> I'm not a prude sexually no, at all. Yeah. I'm kind of insane I think I was sexually. gonna say my boyfriend never takes his shirt off at the beach he never wears sandals but he's a freak in bed yeah I think that's that's I would say probably I, I would classify myself as being a weirdo in bed and then, yeah but but being hyper uh but, uh the appearance even in my own apartment with my girlfriend of just being uh kind of a normal person uh-huh. <laughs> i have a theory that like all, all playwrights that i've met i feel like they're just very sexual people but it's almost like it's something that they kind of keep to themselves but they put it in their work and then when they're by the time they're in the bedroom they're like ah, you know yeah it's for me it's like by the time it's not just the bedroom it's like under the covers. <laughs> yeah, right. You're all the way But then here. it gets, it gets, all, it's just the first And moment. then the magic then the, happens. Yeah, then hopefully things go well. Are you yeah. kinky? Yeah. What kind of, what are your favorite, what are your, some kinks that you like? Oh, I don't know. I, I, Artists I, are so kinky. Um, I just, I'll kind of do anything. I'm kind of yeah. up for anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, it's, weird, it's weirdly, it's weirdly, I'm not, a, I'm not into like multiple partners. I'm not into, um, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm straight, so I'm not like into the idea of men banging a dude. And have you ever just be based on? Have you ever experimented with men? Because I know a lot of people who have had, you know, pedophilic. I haven't. Experiences. I haven't. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. Um, it's really strange. It's not. I love. You know, I love men, and I. I have a lot of great friendships with like uh, really interesting, awesome, beautiful men. Right. But I just don't have that impulse. Yeah. It's, it's it's really strange, and I know some people do, and I know some people have acted on that and experimented and all that and they thought oh, it's not for me or it is for me it's it's the strangest thing i've never like the idea of uh kissing a man has never been something that i've been interested in i don't think and that's I, strange at all i, sh- I just think you're I, straight it's the perfect it's the perfect uh vet, like the theater and film and you know being a novelist and being around artists the perfect place the perfect forum to, to be to, like frolic in that and yeah I just, of course I've but that's never, not that's not what yeah. you like it's I almost not, feel like you're yeah. so supportive of, and people are just, you're very forward thinking, intelligent, supportive of all kinds of gay community, bi community. And it's almost like, I wish I was, but I'm just truly not. Like that just doesn't do it for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a pretty boring straight white guy with a lot of weird. But then once you get under the head, covers, yeah. Yeah. Well, like the, a ninja sh- swords or taxidermy, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever you do. It's kind of like, um, yeah, it's like everything happens. What, what now, no, I mean, Lou, is there a fecal matter involved? Like, how no, how much have you gone? No, because I've peed on no, people. I've never peed. Yeah, how far on, have you gone? I mean, oh God, what, what what could I say? <laughs> um, blood blood plan. Not not. There's no poop. Blood. There's no blood. Okay. Oh well, no, I don't. I used to. Yeah, I would like the, someone on their period doesn't bother me at oh, all. Oh well, yeah, that kind oh, of yeah. blood bother is fine. Me at all. That That's because you're a man. I probably won't sex. like go down on someone and on their period oh you should no because <laughs> that's not that's just strange has a girl ever asked you to do that's that that's like a yes yes oh, really? what? yeah maybe just sometimes it's fun to test a man's limits as a woman yeah maybe oh, that's that's wow. what it was and you were like mm, yeah i was like no yeah that's not that's that just <laughs> was she like what the fuck <laughs> yeah no she was i think she was in i think she was just really into it okay. this was like when i was in my 20s you know? damn um but yeah, I mean, I can't, it's hard to say about all the things that I would do because, you know, I, I, my girlfriend would hear this and she'd go, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. And, but we're pretty, 
we're pretty open. Cool. How long I mean, have you guys pretty, been together? Two and a half years. And does she live oh, here? That's new. She lives here. Yeah, she's okay. she's at work right now. Oh, so you probably the, the the two and a half years in sex is pretty good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, we 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 don't have a we don't have any like lack of adventure problem. Cool. Or, yeah. Or uh, anything like that. It's, it's she's. <laughs> She's pretty cool. And what's your what's your method when when finding a partner to like see if they'll kind of go all the like go there with you? Do you do you talk about her into you, it or do you just try uh, jump slowly? right in? Uh, what's my method? Oh my god! It's always scary for me because I'm I'm very weird, but it's it's I find trouble letting people know that. Yeah, because I get so nervous. Like, what if he thinks that's weird? I think you know what it is. I think I think uh, this is going to be. I'm going to say it. A blanket statement. I think younger women are much more adventurous than they used to be. Mm-hmm. It seems that way. It's really wild. And it's it's because I'm a little older and um, I've had before I was with Hallie, I was single for a while and I was with all kinds of different women. And I was just really shocked at how kind of aggressively open and into crazy shit that younger women were. What I, kind of crazy shit? Well, just like just it felt really porny. Everything oh. felt really like the discourse was very porny. Pornographic. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. And, and I mean, like they were in a good way or a yeah, bad in a, way. In a good oh, okay. Because <laughs> I feel like sometimes people are influenced by porn in a bad way. No, in a good way. It was oh, like I opened them up to like they'd go zero to 60 and all of a sudden, you know, your ass is getting eaten out. Yeah, and, baby. And I'm like, what the fuck? How did, this didn't happen in the 80s. <laughs> well, I think it's the first time you like know. that when yeah. women aren't aren't so afraid of being called whores yeah. like, because we're o- with the anti-slut shaming, which is kind of what the point of this podcast is. It's That's like, cool. oh, wow, we're finally not being called whores so we can just be ourselves, sexual people, which is not gender specific. <laughs> it's weird. There's a moment you have where you're like, oh, I shouldn't be getting treated this way. It's actually, they're wrong and I'm fine. Like, you don't, I, for me, I didn't realize that until my probably mid-20s really i i think it's a good time i feel like it's a good time right now yeah for both and i think for young men and women i also think it's a really strange time with all the dating apps because i I, i've never done those because i'm sort of i've out i've i guess i've outgrown i've out i'm too old for them so uh but i have younger friends uh like this guy in a writer's room that i was in last year he was constantly Tinder? swiping. <laughs> he was constantly is, swiping, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he showed me, and he was just—it was like this video game of of girls. Yes, exactly. That he was he was uh, kind of enlisting, and and like then he would was text he saying them. yes to all of them, no. and then hopes that one would say yes. But he to. would show me who he would say yes to, and I and then I was like, "Wow, let me see this one." And I was just, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like baseball cards. But the whole thing is the the accessibility and the kind of. Um, the, the availability and the kind of interest on both sides is really interesting. And I think the discourse of like, how are we going to get together tonight? It's, it used to be like Victorian. You'd have to like get somebody's number and call them and then yeah. you have to meet. Now it's like, I'll be here at seven. Right. And then it's just like on. So I'm so interested to see. I, I love whenever um, publications come out that they're like, what's going to be the effect of this? This is probably going to fuck us up. We'll see. And you're just kind of waiting around. <laughs> but there's something weird about the mentality of just be judging off of your instant attraction based off of one photo that's so it's weird such bullshit and women i know and i know a lot of men that are like this but mostly women that i know is there it's so it's so much more than your fucking picture and how you look like the attraction almost has barely anything to do with the looks yeah if i can't like i would say to my friend uh I'd say like, how do you know this is what? How do you, her face is gonna move differently when she speaks? Yeah. Like, what, what if are, her what side her angle is awful? Yeah. 
what are her what is her what's her level how do her eyes work you yeah. know like that's where does her thought live like that's what i get in, it turned on by playwright. you know i know i was gonna say i was like yeah that's, that's why i thought you had I mean, sex i mean in a, a dirty way i'm not yeah. saying like a intellectual i mean like no i know you know when you're with somebody and you're having a good time it's not about like that do they look like this painting no mm-hmm. right well it's, when someone you know, gives off a sexual vibe it's so interesting i'm so fascinated by people like that just like men and women it doesn't matter like people in the room they just have the sexuality that they just emit and they're not even trying but yeah. like that you can't gauge on tinder yeah, but he was doing it, and I, he was he was on like three or four different services, and he would tell oh, me shit. that the strategy was to have two set up on a night, and that if one wasn't working out, you could back out of it and go to the next one. So Aww. just you you had a foolproof plan for getting late. There was like a th- uh, yeah. I won't there was, get my dick sucked. Yeah, it was like, and it and, and it came down to that. Like he was yeah, he would say, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna spend two hundred dollars. And something's gonna happen, and I mean that's prostitution on both sides. Just both buy, parts. just yeah. yeah. In that case, that's also scary as a woman knowing, like, going on on a date that that's like everyone's like, I will fuck something tonight. That's yeah. that's kind of frightening. And I wonder, like, what is the awareness of that on on the other side of the woman showing up? Like, women do they are, do they know that, or is that part of the is that part of the game now? I, I don't think know. women are just naturally cautious because yeah. they know yeah. what some men are capable of, and I don't think the majority of men are bad by any means but there's so many that suck or do shitty things yeah, that you're like really just yeah. based off of their sexual urges that are caveman like and like get a fucking hold of yourself now, yeah there's some people uh i can't remember who it was this one woman was saying she was she went on a tinder date and she's like someone who would never go on a t- she's like a really yeah. sweet not that she's sweet she, but she's just not someone who needs to go on Tinder. Right. But it was like an experiment. And she said she was ready to end the date. And the guy was like, so what are we doing? Ooh. What? And she was like, we did, did it. We did what we were doing. And he was like, no, what are we doing now? Uh, mm. am, I, I, am I coming home with you? Are you coming home with me? Are we getting another drink? And she was like, no, we're, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. But there go was home. this like result expectation. Uh. And she was like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? And that just because he paid for dinner. Yeah. Now, I just think that's that entitlement crazy. bullshit. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did you, how did you meet your your current girlfriend? Oh man, this is so weird. Okay, em- Cupid. Em- just kidding. Em- embar- this is actually embarrassing, but it's true. Perfect. I was living in LA. Um, my book publisher had urged me to get on Twitter. That yeah. Because I don't have much of a presence on that on mm-hmm. social media, and so uh, <laughs> that looked like it weighed on, on that, you a lot. On that box you carry around, <laughs> yeah, it's a big size. And I joined Twitter, and I and I saw like th- three days later, I had like forty three people following me, and I was like, who are these people? And I was going through, and one was a picture of a of a woman, and she was attractive, but she had she was asphyxiating herself with a plastic bag. Uh huh. And I was I'm like, who is that? And then I just. <laughs> And I realized you. It, so I friend, I friended her. You followed her back. I followed her back, and then I and I didn't know much about how Twitter works. So I was in a coffee shop in LA because I didn't know anybody in LA, and I was just like at the coffee shop a lot, and uh, and I was like, oh, you can actually send a message to someone you're friends with. And so I just said, her name is Hallie, and I was like, Hallie, who are you? Like what? And then she wrote That's back. So she was romantic. like, I'm I'm just a. Uh, uh, she said something innocuous, and then I said, where are you? And she was like. I'm actually in LA, but I'm just, I'm not, I don't live here. I'm just passing through town. And I was like, I'm in LA too. It was like one of those moments. Then we met three or four days later at that same coffee shop. And like, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. No, that's amazing. That's that's actually true. And we met and then, then I kind of fell for her really quickly and she kind of was tough. 
for a few days and then she asked me to dinner because <laughs> she knows what men are capable of yeah she was no she she, she kept giving me the handshake at the end of the night <laughs> i was like oh this is gonna be fun and then uh you gotta work then that christmas i had come back to new york so this is like a month later we were kind of texting and emailing and stuff and then she i sort of invited myself to her house <laughs> For, but probably in, Florida, in a poetic way. And she was staying with her parents in Florida. And she was like, as a joke, she was like, yeah, sure, come on. And I did. And then, we, like, no, and then we, that was it. Well, that's a ballsy move. I know. I was I was pretty into her. So. That's awesome. It seems. You yeah. knew what you wanted and then you yeah, went and got it. she's cool. That's oh. fucking dope. Wow. So, I mean, let's go back a little. What was your first sexual experience like? It was, just uh, a funny story. So, I I lost my virginity my the summer of my seventh grade year. Uh-huh. Oh wow! I was very, very prepubescent. Oh like, shit! Not a, not hair one. But you, you got boners. I got boners, and, but no pubes. Uh, were you like no 12? pubes? Whoa, boners and I no was, pubes. I was I just turned thirteen. Okay. And uh, her, her, I'm sure she'd be fine with me saying this. Her name is Gina Dickey, and she was a uh, <laughs> she was on the track team with me, and um, we she was very mature. She looked like a woman already, and I looked mm-hmm. like a puppet. I look like a claymation puppet, you know, <laughs> and uh, but somehow she liked me and we we went out for a little while. And I think she was she was wanting to do stuff. I mean, we were already yeah. doing stuff, but she was wanting to fuck to have sex. And yeah. I was like, yeah. And my two best friends, their names were Jeep and Joey. And they were like they were having sex since they were 11. Whoa. Yeah. And there were these mature 11, 12 year olds. They were brothers and they lived down in, the, in this apartment complex. They lived a few doors down from me. And so Holy I was crap. learning. I was learning from them. Like I was learning. Oh, that's it's, this is how you do it. And they would tell. Well, well how no, did I mean, eleven-year-old tell you to have. This is how you have sex. Well, it it wasn't so much that. Like I wasn't there, and they weren't like essaying it for me. Right. But it was just they were doing it. Damn. And so I was like, well, then I better do it. You know. So it was that. And she came over to my apartment, and I t- I took a before picture, of her oh. on the sofa. Oh, I was like every day. It was a cat. <laughs> no, a calico a calico wool sofa, which is you shouldn't <laughs> fuck on a wool sofa. No, you. That sounds painful. It was terrible. And <laughs> then there was a bucket an, burned. I think I was on top. So, oh, but she butt. probably burned. But I remember I came. Nothing came out. But I came in like sixty-five seconds. Okay. And she, it was the best thing I've ever felt. And, uh, and no semen came out. Nothing came out. Is that because you hadn't hit? I hadn't hit puberty yet. So then, so, so then you just like experienced an orgasm I like had, a woman. Would. I had the full body orgasm. Right. I had but the no same mess. feeling that you have uh-huh. when I come, but like nothing came out, and I was worried because I didn't know if, you know, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know when things would start coming out. I, you know, I was again. I was. Had you masturbated before that? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you knew what an orgasm felt. I know like. what it felt like, but yeah. I had, but I didn't. Anyway, it was it was one of the greatest days of my life. And then we had sex probably like five or six more times. And then she left me for a 19-year-old who, who was like this mature wow. dude with a mustache. Aww. So uh, Were you heartbroken? Yeah, I was you... heartbroken. And I was in love with her all through military Aww. school. And I would write her. And then she... You wrote her? And then she started dating this guy who she's now married to who was a, a former major league baseball pitcher named steve paris and they're still married and they're happily married and whenever i go home and sometimes once in a while i would see her just randomly and it was like wow there's the first girl i had sex with that's cool so it's a it's a it's kind of a good story guys stories seem so much more pleasurable i know i hear all these terrible stories about first time i mean also i don't think i was like 
big enough to give her any pain. It must have been, oh, you know, right. I think it was probably like she was getting fingered. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like prepubescent dick didn't really do much damage. She was getting well fingered. Wow. <laughs> now you seem you seem to get very attached. Do you have like an obsessive personality? Because I have one, and I sense that you. I may definitely have had also. that. Yeah. I definitely have had that. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, what is it? So what is a breakup like for you? Oh yeah, how do you handle that? You know. Since uh, as an adult, I guess it's been a lot of times like I was restless, so it was me leaving, and it was oh, you and it did was the break. Always up. the it was always a bad idea to it leave. Was, yeah, it was like I was with I wasn't ready to be in a, a long term relationship, but I thought I wanted like a like a traditional relationship. Okay, but then I would get restless, and then I would leave, and then I would you know. It was it was a pattern for many years of that. Like I would date. Why somebody, did you think you like, wanted? What it? is that serial monogamy? Yes, right. mm-hmm. I was a serial monogamist. Hmm. I think I was. I the think. Comfort. I think I've always been a little bit uh, afraid of hunkering down for too long because. You know, On your own or with somebody else? With somebody else because, uh, you know, the lifestyle I have with theater and film and traveling. TV and traveling and you know it's it, you're a loner and you're like yeah. you're jumping on different islands all the time so there's a there's you want a lot of exciting that. there's a lot of exciting women you meet and then there's also like it's hard to maintain something without a ritual of seeing somebody every day yeah you know, I, I used to think like you need three if you if you're separated for more than three weeks then you should like think about ending the relationship or, or at least opening it up or something like that yeah have you ever had an open relationship no okay would you ever I don't know. I'm very possessive, so uh, I don't think I could. Does your girlfriend like that? I feel like she really like. I, I, I feel think, like you're possessive in a really sweet, kind-hearted way. Uh, yeah, I could be wrong. I, Tell me if I'm wrong. I'd like to believe that. But you're just so yeah. goddamn poetic, and I feel like <laughs> what normal guys could do that maybe come off creepy, you just put it in a way that's like, yeah. I'm really blunt though with that stuff. I, I'm like, I don't. Which is refreshing. It's nice. I want to, you know, I'd like to think that. I'd like to think I could do a normal thing for a while. I mean, I am doing a normal thing yeah. for a while. But like I What is normal the, though? I think earlier in my career you're you're meeting so many fascinating women. Yeah. And like actresses and and designers and uh directors and like really smart cool women who I didn't I, I worked in book publishing for 5 years and it was more of a uh you'd meet very smart women but they were sort of kind of all not all cut from the same cloth but it wasn't they weren't as exciting to me as this, or the, as the artists who are, mm. I was meeting, and so, like, that's just an endless thing that happens if you continue to do work, you know. Yeah. And you just have to learn how to manage that. Yeah, not. I mean, you could still be excited by yeah. a woman, but then it just then you have it yeah. has to end there, right? Like, you, yeah. My boyfriend describes it as like he just puts blinders on and he just doesn't even let himself think about another woman. But I'm like, you can. It's okay. Like we've yeah. been together for five years. You should get excited. That's ele- that's electrifying to get excited by that. We are electrify each other, but in a completely different way than that. Than yeah. if he meets this fascinating, beautiful woman who's fucking talented and like, it's okay to get electrified and fascinated by that. I know people who, who do have open relationships and uh, sometimes it works. One of my really good friends, who's one of my former assistants, she's the lead singer in this band called Wall and her boyfriend is in Parquet Courts and they're mm-hmm. a great couple. Um, Sam, her name is Sam and his name is Austin. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was assisting me on a film and, and uh, they had opened up their relationship. And I remember uh, she was excited because she liked this PA on the film. She was she was like 24 at the time and yeah. he was just like, 
cool, sexy PA, and they they hooked up. And then like two days later, she was really fucked up about it. And then she oh, really? then, then she kind of found out that Austin like had a thing. Oh. And they, it, now they were like, no, we're just yeah. They, they're you doing it. They're you doing a traditional thing. Yeah. You know? Well, that's that's cool that they tried it because it's yeah. not. It's certainly not for everybody. I would like to try it one day. Um, just because I met my boyfriend, I was really young, like 22 or 23. So I feel like there's amazing men and there's amazing yeah. women that he can still meet. But you know, I don't. You never know until you do it, and then you got to see how you feel. And but I also have live- a cuckolding fe- fetish, so oh okay, yeah. that helps. Also, living with someone is, is hard if you're doing that yep. because then you're actually dealing with like the scent of another person yeah. and the kind of uh, every little and every why time aren't they you come home? in the door. Yeah, every yeah. time they walk in the door, then there's this accountability the energy and all this and, stuff. Yeah. So. Do you have a specific method for directing women or a different technique that you use than when you're directing men at all? You know, I, I used to think that that was important, but I find, I find now like that I just have to be as bold and as even in some ways more bold and more honest because they will, a, a, a smart, talented female actress will sniff out your bullshit faster than anybody. Yeah. So if I'm not just blunt and honest, even if it's an unpopular thing to say, mm-hmm. um, if I'm just not that person, then it it, it won't work. Mm-hmm. I have to, and like your roommate is like that, and I I, oh, yes. I, 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 I love long. that about her. And, <laughs> well, because how can know. she excel and get better at her craft if she's not getting honest feedback? Yeah, I, exactly. I feel I think, the same, we feel the same way. Like you need to be. So I pull no punches, and I pray, right. I praise as well, but I but I I try to be as uh, I try to like. I, th- I find that they appreciate, as I've gotten older and I've gotten more experience, they appreciate kind of even a more brutal kind of honesty yeah. than even the men do, I think. Yeah. yeah men are, can yeah. be, uh, as I get older, I kind of, I'm like, are men more sensitive than women? I think, I think, I think there, are, there, there can be more narcissism with a male actor than a female well, actor. Well, the male ego is yeah. more fragile than the female I, ego, I think. I think that might be true. I mean, Across the board, yeah. I'm fucking fra- I like I had last <laughs> night I had my first preview of my new play and we had a, it was a good it was a really nice audience and had a good it was a good show. And the guy who directed the world premiere of it was there and like we just had lunch. That's where I was before I met with you. And I the, like t- the first 20 minutes I was like, man, did he like it? And it's my own play <laughs> that I was yeah. supposed to direct the first time. And I hired, I brought him in because I had to li- I couldn't do it because of a TV a TV thing. And he did a great job. And I definitely think I've improved the play, uh, and I think it's a, a better play now. Yeah. But you know, the first twenty minutes, I'm like, feel like I'm 13 years old looking for his <laughs> approval. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. So I feel like that might be true. I mean, I think, I think women that I've worked with, uh, for the most part, um, they're pretty badass, and they're also really, they're really uh, hungry for honesty. Yeah. And I think it's tricky in, in the theater with, with male directors. Like, there's a lot of, um, there's a, the, a lot of potential for power trips and misogyny and like that's another thing. Have I'm, you a, I'm that? a straight, I'm a straight white male who's attracted to uh, actresses and designers and directors. Mm-hmm. All, you know, any any woman who's interesting to me, I'm going to be attracted to. So I, I have to be very aware of that problem and i write plays that have sex in them i write plays that have nudity i think equal parts male and female yeah i write plays that have brutal moments and stuff like that so i have to be extra sensitive about not um i guess trafficking in in those same tropes Mm -hmm. as a as a as a collaborator you know i have to like be i have to help help us help them and myself get to those moments without 
being a creep. You know, well, I that's... think you seem fascinated by women, and I feel like that's probably why you're good writing female roles because I feel like there's a lot of people that can't a lot of men try and write female roles and they're just one dimensional and yeah. it's so fucking exhausting it's so hard it's almost heartbreaking it's such a waste of, a, of an actress and a role I agree yeah. um, and so when you see a woman uh, a female part I love when it's written by a man and he fucking nails it like I that's love, a true connection I love writing women uh, part of it is because I, I do love women and part of it is because uh, I'm they're mysterious and weird and i like to write things i don't know like so, your taxidermy yeah like, <laughs> my ta- yeah and uh uh but there's also like there's also some female playwrights who can write the shit out of men which is so awesome like there's yeah. this woman named gina jean frito who writes men like better than men wow which is that's awesome she's a she can write the shit out of men i don't know what happened to her or why she can do that but like i anytime she has a play i'll go you go watch her male characters and you're like they're really, really fascinating. And um, I think her most interesting characters are her men. So. Oh, interesting. You were talking about misogyny in the theater world. Like, have you witnessed that? Is there, I know there's misogyny in the film industry. Like, that's pretty... We've heard a lot of stories about it yeah. um, and in television. But what about the theater world? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a kind of famous story that will go unnamed. But <laughs> this young director, was she was uh, assisting somebody at a major regional theater. And, and it was just... Pl- old-fashioned like he's hitting on her the whole time he was showing up at her hotel room at night there was actually a settlement out of like she she eventually you know there was a lawsuit she she you know charged he was going to be charged with they settled out of court he was going to be charged with whatever that is um, stalking sexual harassment yeah um and she got paid but it was i mean it was like it was almost like a horror story like if like he she would pull her uh (sighs) Blind, her, blinds? her blinds and up he would be there? and he would be looking oh, in her window Jesus. Holy fuck. She, she was also like watching his children uh and his wife was apparently maybe in the play that he was directing so there was this weird incestuous oh. thing going on too so like yeah, i've heard a lot many 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 stories like that i mean you know when any any time an artist is uh vulnerable in front of a a, a boss which is a director um there's going to be the potential for all kinds of power games and you know there's also like i've fallen in love with actresses uh, i dated a woman named Catherine waterston for five and a half six years and we fell in love while i was directing her in a play you know mm. so that i didn't you really got to know her yeah you get there, it's a very intimate situation so i think that happens too and i think there's a lot of couples that come out of plays you yeah know, for, because you're exposing yourself you're like if you're all after the same thing, it kind of feels like you're falling in love. Yeah. Even creatively. That's and then, why co-stars, I mean, in, in yeah. Hollywood stuff, and you meet all these people. That How, I mean, can you turn that off? Can you turn blinders? Can you really turn blinders on when you are in a relationship and you're you're really happy? And then someone that you're just, you're just fascinated by for whatever reason comes along. Like, yeah. what do you do? Do you let them, do you let yourself be fascinated by them? Or do you just like... Don't look them in the eye. I mean, you can't, you, if you're, yeah, especially think, if you're going to direct them. I think you have to be honest with yourself and, and not, I think if you start, I've tried the other version where you like put the blinders on and you turn into a robot, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're just closing yourself off and to something. Yeah. So I just try to like enjoy it, but not act on it and appreciate um, it for what it yeah. is. And like, there's a lot of really, I mean, look, I know Hallie, my girlfriend, she's around all these cool she covers rock and roll shows she's like a, nice. she's a, a screenwriter she's a, a journalist she's a novelist she does all kinds of writing cool things awesome she knows a lot of bands she's been around the art scene a lot 
And every, I know every single dude in her life is fascinated by her. I, I know they are. And she's been proposed to like six times. Aww. I mean, so I just what have fa- to like, she let it. She's like a fascinating woman. She's a, she's a, she is. You, and you she's, can't blame them she's for being fascinating. And she's fascinated odd and she's, she's really beautiful. And she used to be a baller, ballerina for 20 oh, wow. years. So she's like, Whoa. she's, so I'm like, I just have to kind of accept that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, just be com- gonna... and just be confident that like, she's got to like me. Yeah, you know? that sounded very confident. I mean, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just gotta keep not not get ugly or something. Yeah. I don't, know. No. don't get ugly. That's a secret to a healthful relationship. When I was uh, when I was getting my ticket uh, outside the flea for Wolf in the River, I noticed a sign that said uh, "graphic violence and nudity," and I that I've just been thinking about that since I saw it because I I truly feel like we as a society, especially in America, think that seeing the human form without clothes on is just as bad as seeing someone get the shit beat out of them. Do you have any commentary on that? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like, you know, people will go on the internet and they'll go on YouTube and they'll watch the most hideous things. They'll go on the news and they'll see the most hideous things. They'll go on porn sites and see the most hideous things and most awesome things too. But like, but if you go into a theater and, and someone's paying a ticket, paying for a ticket, which is a license, it's a license, and you get licensed to go sit and witness something, all of a sudden we get into this like puritanical idea of what the human form is or what the naked body is. Mm-hmm. But, we're, but we'll like over-digest violence, sex, uh, YouTube, Netflix, Brown Bunny, whatever they, they can, people will just over-digest that. And then you go to the theater, which is supposed to be like high art, and people expect you know, a kind of cleanliness or a kind of puritanical take on what sexuality or what, oh, uh, really? or they what sex is. Or they're, they're freaked out by that when it's really right there in front of them. Yeah. It feels oh. like suddenly we're puritanical again. And I, and There's I think there's no safety screen. In and between. I feel like that's, I'm, t- I'm trying to m- mess with that because yeah. I, f- you know, we're not, uh, there's, I think there's a, there's a, an insidious discourse of consumer violence in this country that, you know, that is on display in every media outlet i mean when i go work out at equinox i'm there's 17 tvs above you you know when you're on the cycle the, the bicycle or right. you know, when you're stretching or whatever and there's just like a rotisserie of of like the housewives of new jersey and cnn and bombs going off and soldiers eating babies and crazy just Ooh, yeah like fucked up. crazy shit like and and then you go to the theater and people get upset because like someone's having sex with a blow-up doll and it's they're probably not even really penetrating the blow up doll. It just right. looks that way. But like people freak out if like Have some, you ever gotten complaint like complaints? Yeah, I think there's you know, when I whenever I worked regionally at regional theaters, there's always like a complaint box or a or a or a comments box, which yeah. I Ugh. think the theater puts out there for praise, but a lot of times they'll be like <laughs> Only know. if you liked us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the play I did, um there was a play where uh, called Finer Noble not Finer Noble Gases where uh, a man gets up off he kind of climbs out of a stupor. He's like under blankets and he's been sort of zoned out for 40 minutes and he stands and then he urinates onto his drum set. Uh, it's actually into a, a broken kick drum or a tom drum, an upside down tom drum. And he urinates and he would probably urinate for like like sometimes two minutes because he had trained his body. to. He would drink a gallon of water and then he would train his body to time out at that moment. Oh, wow. Moment. And he never failed. He did it every single show and he did like over 200 shows. Whoa. And he's not even an actor. He's a drummer named Ray Rizzo and he's a genius. Oh, fuck. But anyway, awesome. we had so much crazy people, would like 30 people would walk out 
You know, I'm like we because a man we pee? piss in a we piss in buckets, we piss in the woods, we piss in a we'll piss out of a car window, we'll piss into a Pepsi bottle. Like, but the minute someone does it on stage, suddenly it's like a it's a it's a horrible crime against culture. Oh, gross! And uh, it was fascinating because it created a really interesting debate about you know within the audience in that moment about who was staying and who was going, and it was kind of this great moment. Um, but it taught me a lot about like limits and what people you know it's it's really interesting that we spend all this time in the bathroom in our lives and yet if we see it on stage it freaks people the fuck out you know that's so weird yeah and also maybe it was like kind of like if we're starting with this where is it going to go from here people are like scared of what they don't even what's know gonna do with what's dick? coming yeah I, I mean theater is just so wonderful like i when i walked into wolf in the river i was just you know it's just there's a big pile of soil and I don't want to give it give it away for mm. everyone and I was just like what the fuck are we getting into it had mm. this kind of interesting between like a, a play and like a haunted house mm-hmm. and I truly felt like I was a part of it and it's interesting to hear that you had no like uh training because I was just like this just feels raw this feels like I'm in it it feels like I've seen a lot of theater a lot of Broadway I've done a lot of theater myself and it's like nothing I've ever seen before. I've even seen Hamilton. It's nothing like Hamilton. You saw yeah. Hamilton? You got I tickets? I saw Hamilton and it's <laughs> not even like fuck? that. It's uh, nothing, not even like that. Well, I remember my... That's cool to be compared to Hamilton. <laughs> my one acting it's professor... Sort of the public too. My one acting professor in college was like, like next time you're on the subway, just, just observe somebody and pretend you're actually watching them on stage. Like pretend they're on stage. Mm. And then when you really get into that and you pretend and they're just moving and they're every little thing and you're like, that's fucking brilliant yeah, like it's right. so electrified when those private moments are on stage it's like so maybe that it just overwhelms them to see a man piss because i i mean seeing a woman old woman knit the way she knit and her her knuckles were were very large and you could tell she had arthritis and like if she really was an actor on stage at that moment i i was the most blown away that i've ever been by a performance so like the stage has this way of just fucking yeah. making those tiny moments so much bigger it's the moments that we're not aware it's it's the lack of self-awareness in those moments that make them beautiful yeah. you know and i think what happens in the key i think to the key to achieving those moments in theater is to like create a situation where the actor feels like there's a there's a, a lack of self-awareness so that they can be incredibly private and they can focus Present. on the smallest details of of what the function of what I'm doing is, as opposed to like, oh, there's a audience that I'm playing to, and I'm in a theater that looks like this and it smells like this, and all. But yeah, I've I've always been fascinated by those those things. I think watching people do tasks on stage is there's nothing like it, like folding laundry mm-hmm. or like putting dishes away, because suddenly we do these nuts. things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the craziest thing like i just the way that they were miming everything was so it was as if you know when like sometimes fonts will have like lines half of the letter missing but you could still make it out when you like go go far away it was like you could see the bowl in the woman's hand yeah that's really cool that kind of stuff is there any particular piece that you've written or directed that has influenced your life more than you thought it would or has had like a lasting effect on you and how you live uh, I think Red Light Winter had a big effect on my life, like just because it was the success level it hit, and also uh, money-wise, I started to make some money as a playwright mm-hmm. uh, and a director, and I I think I saw that you could be solvent in in the field. So it, like I started to think of it. It didn't feel like this poor poet pursuit, you know. It started to feel like I could actually 
make a difference, get to reach an audience and actually um, and actually pay my rent. You know, mm-hmm. so that was a that was a big one. I think my play Nocturne was a huge moment for me because it was the first play. I think I was 29. It was in, at ART in Boston and then it transferred here to New York Theater Workshop. But it was uh, a, play, a big play about grief and it's a it's largely a memory monologue. And um, it was uh, it kind of blew up in Boston and then it got a really nice production here and it was up for awards and stuff. But that was the one that kind of allowed other theaters uh, and other people who were were intrigued by my work but were afraid of it that allowed them to say yes to to the other work and right. so it oh, kind of opened a lot of doors for me um but red light winter was was also really important because it's the first one i insisted on directing and i had i had had that impulse the entire time since my first one and i don't, again i don't have any training so i i did i could never say like well i know how to do this but mm-hmm. i i did know how to do it and it was just in it was just in my bones and i I finally like stepped up and when Martha Levy offered me the production at Steppenwolf, I said, well, I have to direct it. And it was a real risk. And she had to think about it for a few days. And then she came back and said, okay, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a, also the first time. And I had directed before that, but it was the first major production that I was allowed um, to direct of my own work. And that kind of, uh, I think a lot of other people said, well, he, he should be directing his own work, you know, because... Other directors haven't quite gotten it. Yeah, so. it's always a more succinct vision too. Even yeah. films that the writer also directed, I love. Yeah, and I think it's tell. it's it happens less and less in American theater because there's this MFA system where playwrights and directors are divided, and then the kind of careerist the careerism that comes out of that is completely separate. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, but I th- look at Richard Maxwell or or even Richard Nelson who writes straight plays. Um, He's a very good director of his own work. He doesn't direct all of them, but um, but I, I prefer his his productions to other people's productions of his work. Um, it does happen. I mean, Mike Lee started that thing that is now his films. He started as a playwright, conceiver, director um, with this guy named Mike Bradwell, who I met in London, who directed one of my plays and and uh, hearing their stories about how they kind of came up devising plays together and making work together and uh you know that's all auteurism and mm-hmm. i feel like that's all it is i'm i'm just continuing the authorship when i direct i'm not i'm not like putting a new hat on right like i'm and now when i write them i i'm thinking about the space the audience i'm thinking about the production as i write them right because that gives you a better perspective yeah. to write from i'm so. sure that's awesome and with wolf from the river it was that from the very very beginning it was i knew that it would be a mount of dirt i knew there would be it would be a a uh, circle of chairs, you know, the rope, all that stuff. And there's sex scenes in Wolf Mode? There, there's, there's, how, what was, what, what made you write that? Uh, I, I don't even can know. Can we say to, what the play is about or do you want to give it away? I mean, there's, there's no. You really can't. There, yeah, I mean, okay. it's yeah. still you, running. If you want to give it a synopsis. I guess it's we're not, exten- You're extending it, right? Yeah, we're, we're extending June 1st to the 6th. Okay. Um, it, this, I, if there's a synopsis, it's kind of an impressionistic look into like, poverty and what it is to try to leave your hometown and 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 the cost of that and like and the nightmares of that and the transcendent parts of that and it's all kind of a dream logic play but there is a story that's that's in the center of it which is this girl is trying to leave her hometown to to go be with this boy who she thinks she's fallen in love with um and a via a cell phone relationship (laughs) who she meets one one day a few years before wow but her brother who is a gulf war veteran and this woman who dates her brother and a few other people don't want that to happen 
because that's, I was trying to, I was trying to like think a lot about what it was to leave my hometown. And when I go back, people don't have any interest in actually treating me like I have become anything because there's really? a kind of weird, I don't Do know if it's jealousy or a, if, I don't know if there's a jealousy or, or resentment or yeah, whatever, but there might be, there are certain, there's a lot of towns in our country where if you leave, if you get out, there's, um, cons- there's back. consequences. You're shunned. Yeah. yeah. And I was trying to think about the extremes of that and, uh, yeah. and these towns in, in, uh, the South and the Midwestern South where like they don't have cell phone towers and they don't have a lot of money. And you know, there's only like, there's a uh, poverty is a, a whole different thing in those areas. And so I wanted to f- create a place of that, you know, sprung from, from those ideas. Okay. It was commissioned by NIDA, which is the National Institute for Dramatic Art in, in Australia. It's where Kate Blanchett went and <gasps> all those great Australian actors. And so I brought two of those actors here for this production. And they were in the first, I think, 30 shows or something. And then um, two actors took over. How do you direct sex scenes? Uh, do you kind of ask the actors to feel it out yeah. a little bit first and then see what you do you add things? And yeah. Yeah. Is it as awkward as it seems to be when it's on a film set on a film set? Ever, all the actors always say sex scenes are the least intimate thing ever because the whole crew's looking at you. But when you're in rehearsal, does it get hot? And yeah. Heavy? Yeah. I think it can be interesting in that way. It, I think uh, the rehearsal room is it's you. It's you, the actors and the stage managers and. So it's a it's not like a, a film or a TV crew, which is really awkward. It's yeah. a lot of it's an, also a lot of machinery around you, which is strange to be, you know, taking your clothes off and simulating sex in front of a bunch of cameras and sound boom operators yeah. and all that stuff. But in the theater, it's just you and a table of stage managers and then the actors. So when I did Real Light Winter, it was it was actually it was actually really beautiful what they did and. It, it, we were fully lit because in a rehearsal room you're fully lit so we started from the most exposed place you could be and then <laughs> what, when we got into the theater and we got into tech when it's lit and it starts to feel where you're in silhouette or you're using moonlight or you're using a, a different kind of quality of light then they they feel they can go even further i think yeah so, but it's That's really good it's really about trust it's about creating enough trust in the room so that these these performers will trust each other what we did with Wolf in the River a lot, we did a lot of work. We, we worked out together. I know this sounds silly, but like we would do like 40 minutes of like circuit training because mm-hmm. there's a lot of physical stuff in that play. Yeah. They're becoming wolves. It's team and building too. Yeah, I and mean. it's huge team building. And you're watching people, you're watching people's limits. Like when do they, when does their heart rate get up mm. too high? When do they sweat too much? They expose, that's how you expose yourselves to each other and in those weird ways. And then we did a lot of vocal work and then we would like sing together. Which is cool. silly because I'm, you know, but we would sing a lot. And when you sing, you expose yourself. So yeah, that's a vulnerable thing. If you can like create a lot of the break down all those things and have people exposing themselves and feeling and looking forward to that every day, then I think they're going to be willing partners. That's a good move. You got to try it. Good move. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good move. Singing and working out. Okay. Well, I, I think that's about it. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much for sitting down with us. Is there anything that you want the listeners to know about you or or anything you want to promote or talk yeah, about tell us that they can go see besides Wolf in the River which oh, yeah. the dates up so yeah Wolf in the River runs June 1st through the 6th at the Flea okay and then I have another play that started previews last night called The Purple Lights of Joppa Illinois at the at the Atlantic Theater and their mm-hmm. stage 2 and uh, it runs it started yesterday and it runs through I believe 
June 26th. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll put ticket links to that in the awesome. description of this yeah, podcast if you're cool. listening right now and you want to go. Where can we follow you on Twitter? Because I know yeah, you like Yeah, let's tweet oh, at you. Oh, I followed you. It's, it's uh, <laughs> you say at first, right? It's yeah. At, at, at kids and wolves. Kids, K I D S and A N D wolves. Wolves, like the animal wolves. <laughs> Perfect. At yeah. kids and wolves. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. This has been Guys We Fucked, the anti slut shaming podcast. We'll talk to you next week. I was drunk and dreaming of the bed of the day that she would do me wrong. And I woke up feeling strange, something heavy on my brain. Yeah, yeah.